The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday, March the 10th. I wrote March the 17th on here on my show sheet. Why would I do that? Probably because I'm thinking about things a week ahead because, well, next Thursday, St. Patrick's Day, it's a day for all of us to celebrate. Not only is it St. Patrick's Day, it's the opening day of the NCAA tournament, and I mean really the opening day, the play-in games. uh, No, (laughs) just no. Let's not go there. Um, don't make me have to share my opinion because I don't think my opinion is all that different from most other people's when it comes to the uh, the play-in games of the NCAA tournament the first day, essentially, in Dayton, Ohio. So <clears throat> it is March the 10th, 2022. It is 7.03 on your Tucson Thursday, and you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. You may also be listening on the live stream via ESPNTucson.com, and we appreciate you tuning in here as uh, we have a, a packed show today. Uh, not a whole lot of big stories, not a whole lot of uh, stories where I'm going to be going into depth on certain things and facts and opining on things. There's just a lot of little stuff. Like I've just, I've just got a ton of bullet points and asterisk marks here on my show sheet, just a lot of different topics to get into. Everything from Wildcat basketball recruiting to Wildcat basketball preview at the Pac-12 tournament coming up in just a few hours. Wildcat football made some news uh, yesterday as well in a couple of different areas. There was madness at the Pac-12 tournament right off the bat yesterday. We'll talk about that. One of the Pac-12 coaches received a contract extension after he was flirting a little bit with another school. Um, there was other Pac-12 results to, to go over through the uh, uh, through the tournament, first day of the tournament in Vegas yesterday. Um, there's news in the NFL. Another possible big trade, I think, is going to be going down. Uh, it's it's one of those things like like you know the Russell Wilson trade. As soon as it was rumored to be done, it was done. It was over. It's like okay, this is done deal. And now that the Carson Wentz deal is allegedly done. People are like, well, he, the, you know, the league needs to approve it. And like, there's other steps all of a sudden that have to go into place if it's not as sexy of a trade, I guess. I don't know. So we'll talk uh, some NFL as well. Major League Baseball news. Uh, no news is bad news. Or, or maybe there is some news. I don't know. What, whatever you want to call it. There's no progression, that's for sure. Has been any progress between the two sides. And MLB has postponed even more dates of their schedule. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. And in the NBA, the Phoenix Suns continue their dominance over the league, thrashing the Miami Heat. We will uh, we will talk about that. But we begin with the madness in Las Vegas, as uh, it didn't take long for the madness to reach the round one of the Pac-12 tournament. As yesterday, the eight and nine seeds going at it, ASU versus Stanford, a game that ASU was dominating from the tip, uh, and really was you know was a game where I think. I don't know if a lot of people expected it to kind of go that way. I was kind of thinking it was going to end up that way, that, that ASU would probably win by double digits, uh, that they would largely you know, commit to that win throughout the process of those 40 minutes. And really, they did. However, they only played 37 of those 40 minutes because, as their head coach Bobby Hurley said, essentially the final three minutes was a complete disaster. 
They had no idea how to close out that game. Stanford began to make a run. ASU didn't know how to answer. And, you know, once again, and, and listen, this is, a, this is a, a theme of today, okay? And, and when I, you know, when I'm talking basketball, this is going to be kind of a, a central theme, and, and we have seen just yesterday proof positive just here in our own state what a different mindset will do uh, in, the, in the terms of when you're down or even when you're leading a basketball game. ASU tried to shoot their way back, essentially, tried to shoot their way into securing that game. And all it did was result in rebounds and runouts and layups for Stanford. Stanford had three layups in the final three minutes of that game. Three of them. <laughs> uh, and it wasn't like they were, you know, it wasn't like they were just all pick and roll stuff. They were like kind of uncontested layups. Uh, there were a couple of them were in transition. It was, it was an ugly finish for Arizona State. And things may even, you know, get uglier. I don't know what the status is of Bobby Hurley there. I've been saying for the last two years that I don't think it's a place that Bobby Hurley wants to be, to be honest with you. Uh, and, and if I were him, I wouldn't want to be there either. These are, you know, these are the kinds of things that happen when an athletic department just doesn't care about its basketball program. I mean, the same thing happens at USC. And, and, and we'll talk about USC in, in, you know, in a bit because Andy Enfield was flirting with another basketball team and USC came back with, you know, with an extension. But, you know, USC doesn't care. I mean, all you have to do is attend a USC basketball game and understand that they really don't care about the basketball program at all. And Arizona State is largely the same way. They have not really offered much in terms of showing support for the basketball program within. Oh, sure, they'll make a hire of you know of a new coach every now and then, and they'll put some new paint on that old building that they've got there. And but there's really no improvement. There's no there's no financial backing. There's no gusto from the athletic department behind that particular program, and it, it shows. And especially when you have a situation where the school president and the athletic director are essentially siding with a booster in the in the case of Bobby Hurley's wife being accosted and things like that uh, you, you, you can't <laughs> I, I'm surprised Bobby's stuck it out this long to be honest with you um, and you know I know that, that you know Bill Frieder and I mean there have been several other coaches that have called Arizona State a sleeping giant. I think we can now just officially say it's just sleeping. There's nothing giant about that program, um, and there will be nothing giant about that program until the school and the school itself and the department embraces basketball as a legitimate sport. And they haven't done it yet. I don't foresee them doing it anytime soon. And, again, that, that's what you know, you're going to get the results that you saw yesterday in Las Vegas with just a complete collapse I mean, th- th- that's all there is to it. I mean, give give Stanford credit; they didn't give up when they were down big in that game late. I mean, look, let's. I mean, let's look at look at how ASU dominated the game. The Sun Devils were up seventeen with thirteen minutes to play in that game, and Stanford kind of made a little, you know, kind of chipped away a little bit, and then ASU expanded it out again. It was sixty nine fifty five with three minutes to go. Three minutes, a Kamani Lawrence dunk. It's 69-55. ASU is cruising. And then all of a sudden, Stanford goes on an 11-0 run, finishes the game on a 16-1 run, culminating in a James Keefe bank shot from the free throw line at the buzzer to send Stanford on to the next round to play Arizona. 
and, and it was just a complete collapse. And, and this is, you know, you have to you, you piece things together, you know, if you're Bobby Hurley and, and because you're not getting great recruiting. Um, you're getting a few guys here and there. You know, you get some local, you know, some local flair and stuff, of course, with the Bagley's and, uh, you know, showing their interest in the program and then pulling their son from the, you know, essentially from the program saying that he had uh, an injury that cost him the remaining 28 games of this season. Uh, basically, just an unwillingness to want to play is really kind of what it came down to. Um, you know, and, and, and personally, and, and I know this is hindsight, and I know that a lot of Arizona fans feel the same way, but I felt this way from day one when Marvin Bagley the third decided that he was going to commit to Duke. Uh, I was, I, I immediately, at first I was like, okay, well, that sucks. That really sucks for us. And then I spoke with someone and it relieved all of my, all of my pain, all of my pressure. And I said, yeah, that's good. That's a good thing. You know, cause I, I knew what a challenge the Bagley family could be. I just thought that, you know, okay, you get this talent. Cause I saw Marvin play several times in high school. He just, he, best high school player I've ever seen here in the state of Arizona, period. Uh, as far as from an Arizona school, best high school player I've ever seen in, in my, in, you know, in my life uh, was Derrick Rose. He's, he's the best high school basketball player I've ever seen with my own eyes, period. Uh, but Marvin Bagley, best high school player I've ever seen here in the state of Arizona. <clears throat> uh, and, you know, I was a little upset for a minute and then realized, hey, it's kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm okay. I'm gonna, we're going to be okay without the Bagley family in Tucson. And now, you know, Arizona State, they, they dip their toes into the Bagley water, and now they're, they're kind of understanding the same thing that, uh, you know, that a lot of people have come to realize about, uh, about that family. And it's just not, it's just not worth dealing with them. So Arizona State loses in a very, look, this is a very Arizona State way to lose, right? They, they completely crapped the, per, the first part of the season. I mean, they're, they're, they were just awful. They were one of the worst shooting teams in the entire country, and I mean at every level, not not just two-pointers, three-pointers, but free throws. I mean, they just literally could not put the ball through the basket. They, it just it, it would not go in for them. And then in the final ten games of the conference season, they started to shoot a, a, a lot better, and adversely, or I, I guess you should say not adversely, but alongside that, their defense was, was a lot better. They were... Um, I think in the final 10 games, they were like number two or three in the conference as far as in regards to three-point uh, percentage defense, which is you know, it's, it's, it's supremely important. Ask any defensive coach, ask Sean Miller how important it is to defend the three-point line. It's imperative in today's uh, day and age of, co- of college basketball. And they had improved much, much more in that area, and they were playing really good basketball. They had won seven of their last eight. They move up into the eight spot. In the in the Pac-12 tournament, they get Stanford, a team that you know it's 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 a fair match, I think. You know, in that situation, obviously eight nine, it's you know Stanford was a team that was kind of on the downward spiral. They were a team that I think a lot of people were expecting to be a top five team in this conference this year, and it just didn't work out for Jared Hass and his team. And you open up this huge lead, and then you just forget to close it out. And the way they were trying to close it out, you're watching the game, and you're like. They're not playing defense. They're they're looking to score. Like ASU's trying to win this game by outscoring Stanford down the stretch, and that's not how you do it, folks. The way you secure victories is by playing defense. You keep the other team from scoring because you just can't rely on yourself to just continue to outscore teams the entire time. You just Sometimes the talent just isn't there, especially for a team like ASU had trouble scoring all year long and not to mention – the fact that they just, I mean, they were dead last in the conference in free throws attempted. I, I don't know where they are nationally. 
they've got to be somewhere in the 300s in regards to, you know, of all the 355 teams in Division One basketball, they've got to be in the 300s in regards to their ranking of free throw attempts. They they got to be near the very bottom. They attempt like six free throws a game. Arizona attempts six free throws a, a quarter. So, um, it, it it it's it was very apropos of what you expect from this day and age of Sun Devil basketball. It's just kind of the way it was supposed to be. I mean, in a way, and I'm not I'm not clowning on them. It's not a situation where I mean, trust me, things are better in this state when Arizona State is at least good at basketball. I wouldn't even I mean better than decent, okay? I would prefer them to be a good basketball team. It just makes everything better. And I, I know that Wildcat fans just like to hammer on Arizona State. And trust me, no one takes more liberties at Arizona State than I do. Uh, but eventually, you gotta you got to get some kind of competition out of them, right? Like, I, I just – to watch it collapse the way it did yesterday, I was like, that, that's got to be it. Like, at what point do you just if – you're, if you're ASU, again, if they cared – they would just scrub it today. They would just say, okay, you know what? This isn't working. We tried it. You know, there's been all kinds of problems. You know, we're tired of Bobby Hurley's antics on the sidelines and getting, you know, consistent technical fouls. We're tired of the direction that this basketball program is going. Um, You know, we haven't seen any semblance of organized offense out of your program and your teams in the last three, four years. It's really just been – kind of roll the ball out and let the inmates run the asylum kind of situation on offense for Arizona State. And then last night's, or yesterday's just you know total lack of, of even acknowledging to play defense or protect the basketball late, that should be it, right? I mean, that, that if you cared about your program, that's it. That's curtains for, you know, for Bobby Hurley, and you move on and you, and you look for some, you know, some new assistant. You don't try to to you know to bring in a big name guy you just get a guy who really just genuinely wants to be here and wants to work hard for his job and I'm not saying that Bobby Hurley didn't but over the years I believe that Bobby Hurley has soured on Arizona State and that program and you know rightfully so I again I I've talked to many people I know a ton of people over there in the department and I I say them all the time like when does Bobby get so sick of this that he leaves he's better than this I really, I really believe that. Now he certainly has his, uh, he, he he has his issues as a head coach. There's no doubt. A couple things that I laid out there: his attitude on the sidelines, as well as his inability to coach any f- semblance of organized offense is just it, it's it's atrocious. When you watch Arizona State play, you're like, what what offense are you playing? You, I mean, I watch them all the time, and I'm just like, I, what what is this? This is this is. Barely organized chaos is what you have on offense, and some people say, "Well, it's you know it's indefensible." If you can't, no, it's what what it is 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 ridiculous. <laughs> like you can't just roll the ball out there and let them run it. And you know, it's it's. I was having a conversation with Kyle Dodd, who, of course, all Arizona fans know very very well. He's their color analyst. I know Kyle very very well. Have have known him for a long time, and we were talking, and he's like, you know. He goes, a lot of the reasons why he just – it seems like he just rolls the ball out there and that there's no there's no organized offense is because he knows those guys that are on the floor or because those guys that are on the floor know that he's not going to bench them for some dude, just some also-ran that is happens to be on scholarship at the program. Like these, 
like with Sean, you know, Sean had you know five star players on the court for his starting five, and then he had three and four star guys sitting on the bench. Like, <laughs> okay, if if you're not doing your job, you're going to go sit on the bench because we got another guy to take your place. No problem. Like, there's always that. There was always that threat. And you have that threat in, in, in big programs where you recruit extremely well. The threat of looking over your shoulder if you don't perform the way the coach wants you to, of uh, someone taking your job is always there. At ASU for the last, you know, several years, not for a long time, because they just they don't they don't recruit on a national level anywhere near what some of the bigger programs do. But um it, it's been that way for years. It's just like you know, they don't the players on the court are like, What are you gonna do? Bench me? For this guy that's you know that j- chose to go to ASU because he just he grew up here in Phoenix and has always you know wanted to just kind of go to school at ASU because his dad went to ASU or something like that like he's a two star recruit are you gonna you're gonna put him in the game against Arizona no <laughs> so that's that's some of the reason why it looks that way and I, and I get it I understand that but at what I mean at some point you got to do better right you gotta you gotta start recruiting better depth I mean look at what Andy Enfield's been doing at USC. Now, granted, we we know what's what's kind of gone on there. There have been plenty of NCAA investigations into that basketball program, and they've found some things, and they've fired some guys. But, you know, Andy's done a great job of kind of retooling the assistant bench that he's got there and is consistently in the top four in recruiting in this conference and is consistent, consistently in the top four in the standings of this conference and now is going to be rewarded with a contract extension after he flirted with Maryland, uh, you know, a, a, a few days ago. So – that's kind of the the situation now where Arizona State is in. I, you know, are they are they going to move on from Bobby? If so, well, you know, what's next? I, again, they can just they can continue to you know to go down this road and not care, which is what they've done for years, and just turn a blind eye and can say, well, we got we got to look forward to football season. Well, this year you're not going to be looking forward to football season because you guys suck. Like your recruiting class sucked. I, you've got like three coaches left on staff. Your quarterback just left for LSU. Like, what are you going to do in football season? Like, seriously, what are you going to do? <laughs> who, who do you have? You got a bunch of guys leaving for the NFL. Other guys transferring out. You brought in like, little, I mean, literally five players in your recruiting class because nobody wanted to come here. <laughs> you got problems. So at some point, they're going to have to embrace the basketball program. Otherwise. They're not going to have anything on that campus worth advertising. And, of course, that's all fine with me because they don't deserve to have anything worth advertising there. In other uh, Pac-12 news last night, the, uh, the, you know, the rest of the Pac-12 tournament, of course, I, Oregon State, good God. <laughs> I mean, really. Oregon has quit on their season. Their lead player Decided to stay home. Didn't even travel with the team to Vegas. Is like, screw you guys. I'm done. Will Richardson is like, nah, I'm out. And so they go to play their rival, Oregon State. And Oregon State, it takes them seven minutes to score a single point in the game. And I'm like, I'm like, all right, I'm done. This this game's over. Oregon cruises to victory, 86-72. One of those strange games. Um, it was 43 to 36 at halftime, and then the second half score was 43 to 36. Always weird when that kind of stuff happens. Wazoo beats up on uh, Cal as expected. They beat them 66-59. That game, the, the, the score is not indicative of the beating that Washington State put on Cal. Cal 
put up a ton of points late. Like they scored a lot of points late in like the last eight minutes of that game to make it look respectable. But I think Wazoo was up by 15 like most of the game. Uh, and then Washington in the late game last night took care of business. They hang an 82 on the Utes. Terrell Brown, 22 points, four rebounds, five assists, continues his uh, spectacular season there as the lead guard at uh, at UW. So there's your you know there's your matchups for today. Of course, the Wildcats going to be taking on Stanford. That game will tip off at 1 p.m. on <clears throat> pardon me on the Pac-12 Network. Colorado and Oregon will follow that. That'll probably be a pretty good game. Then UCLA and Washington State. That'll be tonight at seven o'clock. And USC Washington will be the nightcap. That should be a good one as well. That game starts at nine thirty tonight, uh, Arizona time. So we'll be uh, we'll be watching those today on the Pac-12 Network, and uh, we'll have a little preview of the Arizona Stanford game again. This, you know, we just saw Stanford, so not a whole lot to go over here, but we will hit on it a little bit here coming up after the break. We're going to take a timeout when we return. A little more Pac-12 basketball and some Pac-12 football news and. Tommy Lloyd gets a shot in the arm in the recruiting uh, in the recruiting area. We'll talk about that next, right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on fourteen ninety AM, one hundred four nine FM, ESPN Tucson. Sammy Hagar tickets coming up before we get out of here at 9 a.m., so be listening for your cue to call for that. We've already had three winners, three very excited winners this week. Looking for two more winners, one today and one final winner tomorrow. And then I'm going to see if I can knock on old uh, promotions door there and see if we can get some more tickets for next week. Keep giving away tickets to go see the Red Rocker alongside George Thorogood at Akchin Pavilion. That's going to be September 7th up here in Phoenix. Be listening for your cue to call for that. It's the Tucson Appliance Company March Brackets. If you have the best bracket, there are chances to win prizes from Tucson Appliance Company and Corona. Once the teams are announced this Sunday for Selection Sunday, go to ESPNTucson.com and fill out your bracket before the first game tips off next Thursday, March 17th. You must be 18 or older. Info and the rules are on ESPNTucson.com. Uh, all right, so a quick, a quick little preview here of Arizona Stanford. We just saw this team a week ago, right? We saw them a week ago, a week ago today in McHale Center. It was a weird game. Remember, Stanford turned the ball over like 17 times in that game. Arizona was like plus eight in turnover margin. And, I, you know, this team, I've said it before, if, if you lose the turnover battle to Arizona, you're going to lose that game by 20 points. Like, you, just, you have no chance. You have zero chance of winning. If you lose the turnover battle to Arizona, you are buried, buried alive already. Uh, and Arizona went two and zero against Stanford this season, but in that last game, it was kind of close, right? Like Stanford had a nine point lead in the first half. Um, you know, Arizona wasn't shooting well. Michael O'Connell was just shooting the lights out, having the again. <laughs> you know, we we've we've seen it so many times this season. I mean, we we've seen it under Sean Miller too, where a player comes into McHale and just has the time of his life for 20 minutes and then has the worst 20 minutes of his life in the following 20 minutes. We've seen it before plenty of times. Michael O'Connell comes out, makes, I I think he was three of four or four of five from beyond the arc in that game uh, in the first half. He had never made more than three three three-pointers in a game in his career. Had 16 points at half 
and then shot 0 for 4 or 0 for 5 in the second half and wasn't even close on a couple of them. Uh, it's just, you know, very typical. But, you know, Arizona wins at Stanford earlier this year. They beat him by like 30. It was 28, uh, 28-point difference there. The game that Azula Stabellis got hurt in the game at McHale, Dalen Terry got hurt. He got tangled up with uh, with another player, kind of came down on his on his ankle and his leg and uh, hurt his foot a little bit there and had to sit the rest of the game. So that's kind of that's kind of the concern for a lot of um, a lot of the fans out there. Is it Stanford? Look, they play rough. Uh, you know, that's that's you can expect more of the same from Jared Haas. It's going to be a physical game, resulting in a lot of free throws. He'll empty his bench to get people to you know get more players on the on the court to you know help manage the foul count because foul count will be high for Stanford. It always you know it always is against Arizona. They're just going to continue to put Arizona on the free throw line. So. It's going to be, once again, imperative for the Wildcats to hit their free throws, and they've done pretty well. Uh, Christian Coloco lately has just been phenomenal at the free throw line. He, How good has he been? I think I think he's made, and I, I'm just going off of memory here, I believe he's made 13 of his last 15 free throw attempts, which for a guy who's seven foot one and not known as, you know, it's, it's not Carl Anthony Towns or Anthony Davis out there, uh, not known for his shooting, uh, he's got a really. He's developed a really nice stroke at the free throw line. He's shooting with a lot of confidence right now, and that's the confidence is everything at the free throw line. It's that's everything. Take it from a 100% career free throw shooter myself. The confidence is everything at the free throw line. <laughs> Perfect five for five in high school. Uh, Stanford is currently the net number number 106 team in the country. So. Again, this win will do nothing for the Wildcats, you know, as far as solidifying their position. It's just a situation where, look, if they lose, there's a potential for them to be knocked out of a number one seed. I do not believe that they have the number one seed locked up. I'm I'm always one of those people. I'll just I'll believe it unless they were 32 and 0. Then I'd be like, okay, I think they've locked it up. But they're not 32 and 0. And there are other teams out there that are also very, very good that are going to be trying to win their conference tournaments. So, you know, it's a situation where if Arizona were to lose to a 106th-ranked team in the country, in the net at least, uh, there's potential for a drop in the net and potential for gains from, like, teams like Kansas, Auburn, uh, you know, teams of those ilk that may be just on the outside of the fringe of a, of a one seed. So it'll be imperative for Arizona to just go out there, take care of business, uh, don't get anybody hurt, obviously. Uh, play with poise. Be confident. And just go out there and play your game. And Arizona is three times the, ta- the team that Stanford is this season, and it shouldn't be a problem for Arizona to win this foot- with this basketball game. It really shouldn't. Like They're, they're, just, they're just that much better. They match up. It, it's, it, it's not even close. Like Stanford doesn't have matchups for, uh, for Arizona. That's why Jared has, has to rely on – the hack a wildcat tactic. I mean, they just—it's just a parade of players out there to commit fouls, and that's really what it is for an entire forty minutes when you play Jared Hass. At least it has been this season. Um, and anytime Arizona goes on like a five-zero or a six-zero run, he's going to call timeout. He the last Thursday he ran out. He was out of timeouts with fifteen minutes to go in the game. He was out. He's done. He's like I got no timeouts for the remainder of the game. I'm like, thank God, <laughs> thank God he can't call anymore because. You know, he was trying to because that that's that's what's gonna get you in trouble every time with this Arizona team if you're an opposing coach, is when that five oh or six oh run turns into a seventeen two run. Like and then and then then you're buried, then you're done. Like you, you 'cause you're not gonna beat Arizona once they've gotten that on you. 
Like you're not coming back on this Arizona team. They're just they're too good defensively to come back on. So um, so that's that's the matchup they got today. That game will tip off again at one o'clock at the T-Mobile Arena. There were there were already tons of Wildcat fans in the arena yesterday at one o'clock chanting Arizona, chanting U of A during the ASU game. It was it was comical and it's expected. And you know it's funny because everybody in the country knows about it. Like. When you read John Wilner's uh, articles from the L.A. Times, he talks about the caravan of Arizona fans coming from Arizona, in, you know, coming from Tucson into Vegas. Um, and then national writers are always like, we're, you know, we're excited to watch the, <clears throat> the Pac-12 tournament and the sea of red fans that always make up the, uh, the Vegas arenas there that, uh, that the Pac-12 competes in because that's exactly what it is. It's if folks, if you've never been, I implore you. It is one of the best parties you'll ever be, you'll ever go to, because it's all like-minded people. It's all your people, your fans, and uh, just having a good time in Vegas and uh, winning some basketball games, winning some trophies, and hopefully Arizona can bring home a trophy when it's all said and done on uh, on Saturday. So we will uh, we'll be looking forward to that game today. Of course, we'll have a full report for it to, for you, uh, re- report on it for you tomorrow. We're going to take a timeout when I return. The Wildcats receive a top-level commitment to their 2023 class. We'll tell you about K.J. Lewis next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Fourteen ninety AM, one hundred four point nine FM, ESPN Tucson invites you to the Tucson St. Patrick's Day Parade and Festival. It's going to be taking place this Saturday, March twelfth, at ten AM at Armory Park. The parade begins at uh, ten thirty at Stone and Seventeenth, and you can join us for the festival afterwards with live music from Katie's Randy Cat, Nancy McCallion, Heather Hardy, and more. There'll be Irish dancers, family entertainment, food, drink, a kids area and plenty of Irish fun to be had. You can download the map and get more information at ESPNTucson.com. Four-star two-guard from El Paso, Texas, K.J. Lewis, announced yesterday via the uh, local television station there in El Paso that he would like to live out his childhood dream of playing for the Arizona Wildcats at the McHale Center, and he made it so when he made his verbal commitment to Tommy Lloyd and Arizona yesterday. He is the uh, – look, he's he's – Highly rated, you know, in a lot of different uh, rankings. Whether you, you know, subscribe to Rivals, twenty, you know, two four seven, whatever, um, he's right around the twentieth overall prospect in the country. Like he's, you know, he, he's he's a top twenty, top twenty five recruit. He's top, you know, five to eight, five to seven at his uh, at his position, and he is just a remarkable talent. I, I've watched some, uh, I've watched some uh, some film on him. He's kind of a stout kid. Like he's he's six five. He's already got a, a good, like he's got better than what you would what I would consider a a freshman body on him. Like he's got a good leg base to him. His legs are kind of thick. He's got rounded shoulders. He looks like he looks like a baller. Like he looks like a basketball player. Um, he's got a pretty nice shooting stroke. The one thing I love about KJ Lewis is he admittedly is very excited about playing defense, <laughs> and he you know he because he understands the value. In playing defense, he led uh, the state of Texas in his uh, his division in steals. I think he's averaging like three point four steals per game. Uh, he's a kid that averages twenty points, 
you know, six rebounds, four assists, three and a half steals per game. Like he's he's a, a stat sheet filler and uh, a, a good defensive player, uh, a, a, an average shooter, but a good scorer. So you know, kind of like like a Ben Matherin when Ben came here uh, as a freshman, he kind of had the same type of. Uh, of scouting report, he's very much like a Ben Matherin type of, uh, you know, I don't want to call him a clone or anything like that, but he's his game is very similar to Ben. Um, he gets up, you know, he can he can he can jump out of the gym. He's got great athleticism in the open court. He can fly. Uh, he's just he's just a, a good, really really good player. And this is a great get for Tommy Lloyd. Now this is for the 2023 class, so. Uh, he, you know, I don't know if Kylan Boswell is going to be reclassifying to the 2022 class. Some people believe he is. Some people believe he isn't. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. But I would love to see these two play together. I would love to see Kylan Boswell and KJ Lewis on the court together at the same time. That would be a lot of fun. Bo- Boswell's electric. He's fantastic. Um, but uh, uh, back to KJ Lewis. You know, he grew up in uh, in Vail, just southeast of Tucson. There, he went to, to elementary school. Was in Vale essentially until he was in the fifth grade. Then family moved to uh, to El Paso, Texas, and now he's one of the finalists for the Texas uh, Basketball Player of the Year in uh, as just a junior there. So, uh, props to uh, to KJ Lewis on a great season and for committing to Arizona. And one of the reasons that he gave for committing to Arizona, and this is look, this is a, a recruiting tool that that not everybody has, <laughs> not everybody in the country has this. Not every coach has a a building like the McHale Center in their back pocket when they go to recruit when they go to recruit kids, because you know KJ Lewis grew up and he he would you know he would go to games. He said he went to games to watch TJ McConnell and Stanley Johnson play and stuff. And look, that, those were electric times for Arizona. That's when. You know, if he was at the Gonzaga game, you know, when that was there, I mean, we almost blew the roof off of the building in that, you know, that that afternoon. Um, There have been some really electric crowds that he may have been privy to. And this is something that not everybody has an opportunity to to bank on. You know, one of the schools that he was actually looking at, Texas Tech, and a lot of people feel like that was the other, the other, you know, major finalist and the other major player in this. Texas Tech, ha- they also have. They're in Lubbock. They have a great crowd. Uh, they really do. They, um, I know Jeff Goodman talks very, very highly of the crowd, and I've seen Texas Tech games on TV, and that place is loud, and they're active, uh, and their fans get after it. So, you know, he, he was really kind of feeding off of where he can get that energy from the crowd. You can tell he's a kid that, that really enjoys and feeds off of that. And it's because of the fans and because of the atmosphere at the McHale Center is the reason why Arizona is now getting a top 20, a top 25 player in the country because he legitimately said, I mean, he mentioned it twice in his interview, the energy at the McHale Center, the energy in the building, the fans. You know, he, he talked about that. And that is so – that is so – you can't even put a value on it. You know, for a guy like Tommy Lloyd to come in here and, of course, you know, fans are going to be like, oh, can he only recruit internationally and stuff? Yeah, how about that? He's got uh, he's got two local recruits, essentially two American recruits here, that are going to be coming in that are top tier. And I mean top tier. I mean, these are, you know, these are Sean Miller-level recruits that, that are coming into Arizona. And I like the approach that, that Tommy has. You know, Tommy has a very different approach to the way that he recruits Arizona as opposed to the way that Sean recruited Arizona. Sean 
worked tirelessly to make contacts with every single one of the of the top recruits in the country. Sean knew them all. Like he knew, every, he knew everyone. He knew all the, the you know the, obviously the players, but he knew their families, their coaches. You know who their influences are. He knew everybody. He worked so hard at developing those relationships and then to you know to send out just a slew of offers like Arizona gave offers to all of the top 50 you know it's like here you know here you go not all of them but you know what i mean uh there was a lot of offers given out by Sean Miller and and his staff during his time at Arizona and you know you you, you cast a net out there and you see what you can get Tommy Lloyd doesn't cast a net he puts a bobber out there with the most prime piece of bait sitting on the end of that hook to try to get the one kid that he gets that that he's that he's going after, you know, he, Tommy said that he wants to make an Arizona offer a special thing, and I I, I applaud that. I I don't disagree with either method. I really don't. Both methods have been great for Arizona. Regardless, I mean, you can't you can't deny how good recruiting at Arizona has been for a long, long time. But I'm just specifically talking about under the Sean Miller era, and now apparently under the Tommy Lloyd era. You know, because Let's not forget. Let's not forget that Tommy Lloyd had to do a great recruiting job, getting all the guys back that that wanted to leave uh, after Sean Miller was uh, was let go. Sean, you know, Tommy had to come in here and be like, "Hi, I'm Tommy Lloyd. You've probably never never heard of me before, and I've never uh, t- spoken to you before, but I'm your new head coach, and I would like you to come back." And he had to work his butt off to get those guys to come back. And the guys like Kirk Creasa, who came here to play for Sean Miller specifically, uh, you know, and and play at the McHale Center, uh, you know, was, was willing to leave. So Tommy did a great job of securing the guys that are on this team to be here, and now he's doing a, another, another bang-up job in getting the new recruits to come in. The 2023 class is already looking very, very bright, very highly rated class for Arizona already, and, you know, it's, it's still two years away before these kids even end up on campus. So uh, this is a wonderful news for Arizona, for Tommy Lloyd, to get K.J. Lewis alongside Kylan Boswell, who uh, committed just a few days ago as well. <clears throat> and, uh, again, you know, this is something that is credited not only to Tommy Lloyd and his staff, but to the legacy that was that was built by Lute Olson, carried on by Sean Miller, and continues through the voices of the fans every single home game at the McHale Center because you guys make a difference. I, 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 cannot, I cannot say it enough. I really, I really can't. Like, it's, it cannot be understated how much of a difference the fans at McHale Center make in Arizona's performances. It, it just it, – I'm, I'm telling you right now, <laughs> as somebody who was at games without fans, someone who had to go out there and announce games to empty houses – I was uh, announcing games to players and coaches and referees. That's it. <laughs> you guys make a difference. I, 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 there's no one, and I mean this, there is no one more qualified to make that statement than me. And uh, this is not, I'm not bragging. This is not, you know, this is not me showing off here. I'm telling you right now, there is no one more qualified to make that statement than me. You guys, as fans, make a difference at the McHale Center. You have a direct reflection, a direct impact on the outcomes of games, period. It is so, so vitally important for Arizona's success that the fans show up the way that they do at the McHale Center with bringing the energy, bringing 
you know, the, the, the knowledge. I mean, Arizona fans are so knowledgeable. Half the time, I don't even have to say anything into a microphone, and the fans have already figured out what's going on. Like, it's, it's, it's fantastic. I, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I really am. I say it all the time. I pinch myself uh, that, I get to, that I get to sit there and announce these games because not only is it doing what I love, it's watching the team that I love and being surrounded by the people that I love too. And it's just, uh, it's, it's just a, it's, it's a great experience for me, and I, I thoroughly enjoy it, and I just want you guys to know how much of a difference you really make. And I, I think in this day and age, people are like, oh, it's just the coaches are just trying to rile us up just to get us loud, to try to give us you know, a swell. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, they, the coaches get it too. Like, they're not just being like, hey, guys, let's, let's get in the game. Let's have some fan interaction. No. The coaches understand that the swell at McHale Center is begun. It starts with the fans. <laughs> so uh, so credit to fans for uh, K.J. Lewis wanting to come here and play, as well as many, many other in the history of, uh, of Arizona recruiting. All right, we're going to take a timeout, talk some NBA. The Phoenix Suns destroy the Eastern Conference's uh, you know, best team, quote-unquote best team. Uh, we'll talk about that next, coming up here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, not enough time to get into the uh, Suns game last night, so we'll switch that over to hour number two. But we'll continue with some Wildcat talk here as uh, it was announced that Sean McVay, Head coach of the Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams is going to be in Tucson later this month to participate in the Be a Pro coaching clinic put on by Jed Fish and the Arizona Wildcats program. Now, in this uh, in this particular clinic, there are it, it's for <clears throat> it's for uh, college coaches, high school coaches, and for for youth coaches if they want to get involved in that. There's obviously registration fees and stuff like that. There's breakfast and lunch. It's two day clinic that's going to be going on there. And some of the people that are going to be on hand, obviously Jeb, Jed Fish will be there. As I mentioned, Sean McVay, his good friend, will be there also. But Steve Spurrier, former national champion head coach and the head ball coach, as he likes to be called, he'll be there. Um, offensive coordinator for the Seahawks, Shane Waldron, will be there. He's got his work cut out for him this year. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles strength and conditioning coach Ted Rath will be on hand. And John Fossil, who, of course, from a, a long line of, uh, of coaches, is the he's the Dallas Cowboys special teams coordinator. He will be there as well for this pro coaching clinic. So it's pretty cool that uh, that these guys are going to be on campus for uh, for Arizona. I mean specifically for Sean McVay. And I know that that Jed was sharing like some of the pictures that he and and Sean had taken together and uh, such when they were working together. And uh, it's it's a special relationship that he has. And and you know that's one of the things that that Jed has done over his very you know very young and, and short careers so far. Uh, you know, in in coaching, is he has developed some great relationships with some really influential people. And Jed Fish, I mean, I remember you know telling some you know people just before the season began last year, I'm like, the guy's got more friends than I. You know, like everybody likes the guy. Like coaches, just they really just love Jed Fish. Like everybody has nice things to say about him. He's made a ton of friends through this process. 
And it's going to pay dividends for Arizona. I mean, this is this is part of the reason why Dave Hickey went out there and got Jed Fish to come in and, and run this program. Not only does Jed have a passion and, and a really, really deep passion for coaching and has for over 20 years, you know, when he decided that he wanted to start badgering Steve Spurrier while as a student at, uh, at Florida to be a member of his staff uh, all the way up until when he signed the contract to become Arizona's uh, head head ball coach there you know he, he he has a real passion for for the game he's brought in some really good assistant coaches to you know to help coach some of these guys up and now it's resulting in great recruiting classes as we saw probably the biggest leap in the history of a year-to-year recruiting uh standing for arizona in the history of arizona football from last year to this year's recruiting classes it's not even close <laughs> got one of the best i mean he got the number one player from the state of California to commit to come to Tucson, Arizona, for God's sakes. Like, let's not forget about that for a moment. Still got an hour to come here on this, the uh, hour number two of the Jeff Dean Show. We'll give away some Sammy Hagar tickets. Be listening for your cue to call for that. We'll talk some NBA, some NFL, MLB, and who knows what else. Stay tuned. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround. We'll be right back here on the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. ESPN Tucson. From the Casino del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.